Hi, I'm Karen Zangle from St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky. Take some time to check out the Art of Communication podcast with Greg Rice, someone I've learned so much from. He's a great communicator and a great person. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Today I'm talking with Karen Zangle. Karen is the executive director of the St. Vincent de Paul Society of Northern Kentucky. And we talk about how to be an effective leader in the nonprofit space. How does she communicate her vision to a team of mostly volunteers in a way that really gets their buy-in and commitment? And the importance of having a real passion and love for what you do and getting their engagement around that vision. Right? We also talk about the ins and outs of communication as it relates to fundraising in the nonprofit space. And we even talk about how to communicate with a strong sense of empathy, which is really important for her volunteers. See, St. Vincent de Paul does tremendous work. They actually go out into people's homes and deliver much-needed resources at times of great need. And at the end of the day, I just think there's a lot to be learned from a communication perspective about that connection point where true service really happens. So, Karen, thanks for joining me today. Really excited to have you join us on the Art of Communication podcast. I'm excited to talk about all the great work you're doing with St. Vincent de Paul in Northern Kentucky and all the great tips you have for the audience around leadership and communication coming from your experiences doing that. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Super excited to have you. So um, I'd love if we could just start off by giving the audience a little bit of background on some of the work that St. Vincent de Paul does and kind of what your role is within the organization? Because I think a lot of folks probably aren't as aware um, of, of the great work that you guys do. Yeah, sure. Thanks for that opportunity. So St. Vincent de Paul, when people think about St. Vincent de Paul, I think the first thing that comes to mind are our thrift stores that provide basic um, necessities to people in need. But it we're really much more than that. St. Vincent de Paul, we consider ourselves a network of friends who are looking for opportunities to grow in our own spirituality and faith through service to those in need and friendship with one another and just relationships in general. So at our core, we're connecting those in need through a personal home visit to hear their struggles and then determine the best way that we can help them. And sometimes one of the ways we can help them is to refer them to a thrift store where they can get clothing and furniture. But sometimes the way that we help them is with financial assistance. And actually a significant part of our ministry is emergency financial assistance. And so we help pay the rent, we help pay utility bills when people are struggling to make ends meet. And then we also provide those basic necessities, food, clothing, furniture, and housewares um, so that folks can save their income to be able to meet their obligations. You know, our services are really intended to bridge a gap for those who are struggling, to get them on their way to a better life, to make sure that they have that message of hope that even though they're struggling at this time, that they, you know, our community is here for them. Mm-hmm not professional social workers. In fact, you know, everyone who does a home visit is a volunteer. And we have over 500 people in Northern Kentucky who are doing those home visits. Um, And and they're just kind people who want to help their neighbors and 
have this desire to grow in their own spirituality in interacting with those in needs. So uh, there's a need. So that's the organization in a nutshell. Yeah. And tremendous work. And like I said, a lot of folks I think know about the stores, but don't know as much about the in-home visits and how Yuli provided vehicle, I think, to allow the local parishes to impact their um, local neighbors in need, right? Because it's a very localized thing. I've had the opportunity to be involved in a very uh, slight level, I guess. You know, I've been on a home visit before in the past. I mean, it's definitely a powerful experience. It's it's very, very cool thing. And it, the, I think one of the coolest things about it is just like you said, you're helping your, literally your neighbor. Yeah. Um, you become a St. Vincent de Paul volunteer. We call them Vincentians. And someone calls for help. We assign them to people who live with near them to, to make that visit. And so you could be helping a person that you passed in the grocery store once, or you may, you know, may have seen them waiting on the, for the bus uh, within your neighborhood or in the library and so you're literally helping potentially your next door neighbor. Yeah. And I think it also really helps open folks' eyes to the eyes need to locally. Them. Like they don't realize how much of a need there is just right around them sometimes, I think. It certainly opened my eyes to that when, when I was involved for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. So then your role is executive director of the Northern Kentucky, I don't know, chapter, if that's the right term, right? That's right. That's right. My, my role is to lead our Northern Kentucky Council overall. We are a nonprofit. We have uh, 30 different parish conferences who roll up into our Northern Kentucky Council. And my job as the executive director is to be able to support our Vincentians in their ministry and that work in our stores that we do to support our Vincentians so that we can provide some of those basic necessities to people and also serve our customers. Um, and so there's a, a fundraising component associated with that. Um, our, mm-hmm. Those who come to our stores to shop, they help us support our ministry. But you know, there's also, we have donors out there who are very important to connect with. They, they love what we do in terms of reaching out to our local community. And a big part of my job is communicating and talking with those donors so that they understand their investment and how that's going back uh, within the community. Yeah, yeah. I think what really fascinates me about your role is there's so many different stakeholders, right? So you have, I assume there's a National St. Vincent de Paul that that you have to answer to to some degree. There's each individual parish. There's all your volunteers or some employees. There's the donors. A lot of things to kind of manage there. I'm curious about how you how you manage all those different stakeholders and, and how you maybe communicate with them differently at different levels. Even more to manage, I think, than a lot of, say, business owners would have, right? Because there's so many different stakeholders that you have to be on top of. Yeah, so this has probably been the most challenging aspect of moving from being within a corporate for-profit environment into in a very largely professional office job setting, Vincent DePaul, where you're absolutely right. There are a lot lot of different people with different interests. They're associated with St. Vincent de Paul that we need to talk to and make sure that they understand what we stand for and what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm introverted. Uh, so my best communication has always been written. I was a heavy emailer. I continue to be a heavy emailer <laughs> in my job. And that doesn't necessarily work with a significant volunteer population who tends to be older and less connected. Mm-hmm. 
So I still do a lot of, and it also doesn't work in an environment where not everyone on your team, your paid staff has a need for a work email account, like, you know, our cashier in our stores or the person who works on the donation dock in our warehouse, they don't need a work email and they're not checking their email every day. They're not sitting in front of a computer during their working hours. So it's something I've really had to work on and learn from and get better at. So, you know, I'm still doing that every day. I still rely heavily on written communication to our volunteers. It may not always be emails. It may be a letter that's mailed to them. I have the opportunity to write for The Messenger, which is our Catholic newspaper here in Northern Kentucky. And that's another venue that helps get the message out. It also means standing up when we have our council meetings and an audience there to make sure that the same things I want to get across in written communication get repeated um, in front of everyone. So maybe they didn't check their email for the last couple of weeks and they, they don't know, you know, what we've been, what we've been trying to keep them up to date on. And then in terms of the team, you know, I, I've learned that I need to have very frequent and close contact with my leadership team so that they're able to relay the message to some of our folks who are on the front line that I may not be able to interact with as frequently. Mm -hmm. And that has to be often and persistent, I'll say, somewhat repetitive, right? The same message because we need it to stick. And then they talk to their teams about it. And whenever I get the opportunity to kind of walk around and be out with our whole entire team, that's another chance for me to have that face-to-face interaction and get some messages out. So, it, you know, it's, it's from all, all different angles. It's been definitely a growth opportunity for me and something I uh, continue to work on. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it's a significant challenge, but I'm sure making significant progress there as well. And you mentioned something that kind of raised the question for me that a lot of the volunteer base is maybe older and less connected. I'm sure another focus of yours is trying to bring in maybe a, a, a larger variety of folks into the volunteer base, right? Maybe a bit of a younger, um, some younger folks, some younger adults. So, and, and that's a different way of communicating with them as you alluded to. So I'm curious to hear anything you have going on or planning to try to attract that younger base. Yeah. So we, um, we've been consistently evolving our strategic plan over the last two and a half years since I joined St. Vincent de Paul. And in this past year, we decided to add a big focus on the need to continue to bring people into the ministry. And that's both from a, you know, a conference, the parish level, Vincentian volunteer basis, but also volunteers in the community who may not be interested in the commitment of a home visit, but they still want to be part of St. Vincent de Paul and what we do. So, you know, what we ended up doing this year is that we formed a committee that we're calling um, Expansion and Revitalization. And my my board is fantastic. Um, My board president, um, she has so much energy and um, so much passion for the ministry that she's really taken the lead to get this committee moving and coming up with plans that we can make sure that we're communicating with our parishes helping support them get in front of all the parishioners within the parish to let them know about the outreach, let them know about benefits and the gifts that you receive by being part of St. Vincent de Paul. And then we also restructured our paid staff so that we have a person within our paid staff who is also there to support those expansion as well, provide materials, provide coaching on what's worked and what's not worked. 
helping make sure that um, the leadership at the local level within the parishes um, have what they need to be able to reach out to people and make them feel welcome and invite them to be part of this really fabulous experience that St. Vincent de Paul can offer to folks. Um, so it's evolving, but it's, an, it's, it's definitely a focus effort specifically over the next three years that we want to grow our membership and have more people out there to help us serve those in need. Do you have more need coming in than you have volunteers to be able to serve it? Yes, we do. Because, the, you know, there's a, there's a human resource constraint, but there's also a time constraint, our ability to get to the need quickly enough. Um, what, one of the wonderful outcomes of COVID then for our ministry is that, first of all, you've probably seen just within our community in general, how people have just stepped up to help Absolutely. in some way. You know, uh, it might be physically, it might be financially, but so many people have stepped up. And our Vincentians also have answered that call by like understanding that people are losing their jobs and they're also in fear for their own health and safety. And so they don't want to waste any time getting back to people and letting them know how we can help. And so this, you know, this rapid response that because people who are reaching out to us just need to hear that we can help them in some way. We may not be able to help the whole need that comes to us, but we can respond in some some way. And one of the really interesting dynamics that we've seen is that we haven't necessarily had more people ask for help, but the depth of the need is much more significant than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Helping roughly the same amount of people at the moment, but it's the the like the dollar amount, the request is nearly double. Wow, was last year, and. It, you know, that, that's, that's been interesting too, because we expected to have a lot more requests and we haven't necessarily had a lot more requests, but the, the need is much more significant. And in some people who's never, who've never had to come to us before, and now they find themselves in a tough situation because they may not have work anymore Yeah, to ask for help. And that takes a ton of courage on their part too. It does. It does. I agree to be able to pick up the phone and kind of ask for that help you've never had to ask for before and uh, invite people into your home that you don't know. Um, but it's it's really powerful, I think, for everybody. One of the things I love about what you do and offer is the ability for volunteers to connect directly and help folks in need. Like that's surprisingly hard to find is volunteer opportunities where you can do that. I think really meet folks on their own terms and help them versus just giving money or you know packing supplies or and all that stuff's important. But it's really hard to feel like you're making an impact directly with an individual. You guys certainly yeah. provide the opportunity to do that. So I'm curious how you keep a volunteer base engaged, right? Because they're out there doing all the great work. I'm sure there's a lot of coming and going of volunteers. How do you keep them engaged and committed to the mission and the vision? Yeah, uh, so communication is one way we absolutely need to keep people engaged. And, you know, the the structure that we have within because it is driven really by local parish efforts you know, there's broad-based communication that, that comes from me and it comes from our board, but there's also that communication that must come from the leadership within, within each parish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting, right? Like sometimes someone might, might ignore an email from me because I, I'm like further removed, right? But then a second email or, you know, you know, a second opportunity to to, to learn about something that we're doing might come from their parish conference president. It's the same message. 
but it's coming from a different source, yeah. that might stick, right? So, you know, it's really important for me to not, to not only, you know, get that message out to everyone who's involved, but to also make sure that our conference presidents understand our efforts and what's going on and how we're here to support them. And then they, in turn, convey that message to their, you know, 10 to 20 people within their parish who are volunteering. So, like, that layer of communication is really important to our success, Mm -hmm. Um, making sure that everyone knows that, you know, this this central entity is here to support their work as volunteers. It's a really interesting point you bring up, like, where the message comes from. I think a lot of times we don't think enough through that, right? You're like, I said it, why should somebody else need to say it? But sometimes if... You can have somebody close to them give them the same message or, you know, from business perspective, have a referral connect you or have somebody in, in their leadership share it with them. It's very different than if you just share it with them directly, even though it might be the same message. Right. But first, have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success? If so, then you're going to love what I put together for you. I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors? to gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are. Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. I only partner with the best. No one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001, and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels, including Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Amazon. And here's the best part. For anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your pay-per-click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click. And there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed, whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. So it's, it's really interesting. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm also curious to you, what kind of training do you provide volunteers around being able to connect with the folks who they go out and work with? Yeah, so one of the advantages of being part of an international organization that's been around for over 175 years, there are some best practices um, that come along with that and some resources. And so... St. Vincent de Paul National has a program that they call Ozanam Orientation. So Frederick Ozanam is the founder of St. Vincent de Paul. Not actually St. Vincent de Paul, it's just named for him. But uh, Frederick Ozanam, you know, he's the one who started this ministry. He's the one that started the personal connection with the poor in the streets of Paris. And so there, uh, there is, there's training based on the letters that he wrote and his own personal formation and what he learned along the way that we provide in terms of workshops to um, anyone who is making a home visit. And when you first join St. Vincent de Paul, or you're you're thinking about joining St. Vincent de Paul, you might might talk to somebody within your parish conference to understand what's involved. You might go on a practice home visit. And then once you've decided you want to make that commitment, at least in Northern Kentucky, we have a twice a year, a a day-long workshop on what does a home visit look like? What is our ministry about? 
we're not, you know, we certainly serve the need, but what we're really about is seeing in the face of Christ those that we serve so that we can grow in our own spirituality. And part of that gift is sometimes we get more out of it than the people that we're helping, right? So, you know, that's just as important as um, the, the service aspect. And I think that's an important communication fundamental to keep in mind too, that we're not swooping in and saving the day all the time. We're there to listen and to understand the struggles and try to put ourselves in their shoes so that we can respond appropriately and just let them know that there is hope um, for a better, you know, for a better life. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's so important any communication to put yourself in their shoes and understand where they're coming from and kind of get out of your own head. It's not easy to do, but it's super important, especially in those kinds of scenarios where you're really trying to understand their needs so you can help them most effectively. Yeah. I'm sure the need isn't always the first thing that they say they need either, right? There's probably a bit of an investigation that needs to happen to get to the root cause and how you can help most effectively. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a really good point because someone might call in and say, I need $300 to help make my rent this month. Can you help me? And of course we, we take that down as information, but that home visit, that personal connection that follows that initial phone call digs deeper. Mm-hmm. And yes, that person may need that money to you know, make their rent that month. But there may be other ways that we can find out they, that they can, we can help them, right? Maybe they just lost a job and they're not sure where the opportunities are. Well, we're part of a network of awesome nonprofits within Kentucky where we've got a lot of visibility into what those opportunities are. So then mm-hmm. be able to point them to the best resource to be able to solve that problem longer term. We're here to bridge that gap. We need to learn more on how they got here and how we can help them move forward from there. And so it starts with that initial ask, but it might, it, it might really get into something bigger. And one really good story that I, I heard a few months ago is that someone came to us because they needed help with rent. And so we started asking questions on how did you get within this particular you know, situation. And she had explained that she'd been furloughed. This is even pre-COVID. And that she just prioritized her bills and she was also in a um, payday loan situation. Yeah. And we had just started a new program. It's called a microloan program where we mm-hmm. are getting low interest loans and then structuring the loan so that it's affordable for people to pay back so that they don't have to go to those predatory loan places. That's huge. That's, that's a- so, you know, she called us for rent and then we learned more about why she missed her rent, which predatory loan. She was getting so far behind. She felt like she had to put something against it. And so we ended up being able to help her with that rent, but then get her in this microloan program to take care of that predatory loan. So she's only paying 3% interest and a, a payment that she can actually handle on a monthly basis instead of that, you know, 300% interest mm-hmm. was accumulating on that bad debt. It just crushes, crushes people. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, it's tremendous to hear the overall value I think you're able to bring beyond just the immediate need. And it's also, I think, the value of the home visit, right? You get to know them and their what their need is versus just sending them a check. There's so much more to that. So very cool. So one of the topics I want to dive into, probably one of your least favorite topics, right? But as far as raising money, right? <laughs> um, needing to fundraise. I think it helps when it's a great cause that you really believe in, right? Which I know personally, this is a cause that you really love being a part of. 
but what have you learned as far as what works and what doesn't work as far as being able to fundraise? Yeah. Um, so this has been tough. This is another really hard part of my job. Um, you know, in, in some ways it's, it's, it's selling your organization and what you stand for. And so, you know, in, in any kind of role like that, you need to make sure that um, you have passion. You, you, you're doing this because you want to do this. And, you know, I do want to do this um, mm-hmm. and believe in what you're selling. And so, you know, when you are authentic and you have that passion and enthusiasm and excitement for the work that you're doing and why it's important, you, you can explain why it's important, then you are going to be more successful in attracting um, people to want to support your organization and invest um, in your organization. We've made a pretty significant shift in our approach in the last two and a half years where um, initially our fundraising was structured to try to raise funds for specific programs that, that, that um, you know, we sponsor. And that, that's still important. We still need funding for those programs. But now we've shifted to a more overall message. What is our total impact within the community? And how do we, you know, how do we provide that impact? Which involves some of those programs that we tried to, you know, kind of you know, put up on a pedestal before. But it gives more of a 360 degree view of what St. Vincent Paul stands for. As opposed to these in, these pillars within the organization, and and it's also much easier to to share stories because I was just looking at some data before we started talking um, around the COVID crisis. So anybody that comes to us, we're helping them on average with at least two needs every time. That's great. They might come come to us with one need in mind, but as we talked about earlier, once we like sit down and talk to them, we find out they have more than one need, and so these these. You know, pillar. This pillar approach is not what we do. We try to take care of the whole person, the whole need, and so I find that much easier to talk about than a bed program or a summer heat relief program. It's about whatever that family or person needs. Yeah, and I'm sure that really resonates with folks who also believe in the cause, which most of the folks you talk to from a fundraising perspective, I'm sure do. Right, they're already bought in on the cause, um, which is which is great. Very cool. Well, a couple of questions I'd just like to ask everybody who's on the show that I wouldn't mind running through really quickly with you. The first one is, I really believe in the power of conversation to make a meaningful impact on folks' lives and the, and the, you know, the track that they end up taking. So I always like to ask my guests if there's a particular conversation that you can point to in your life that had a really meaningful impact on the path that you ended up taking. Um, yeah, so this was a hard question when I was thinking about it. Uh, and, you know, one of the experiences that came, that is always in my mind, especially when I might be having a, a bad day or I might be reflecting on, wow, that could have gone better. So early on in my relationship with my husband, before we were even dating, uh, we, were, we were church buddies. And we went to mass together nearly every Sunday in the back half of our junior and senior year in college. And then after mass, we we'd go have breakfast together someplace, and we just would have general like life conversations, like what what was happening right now, you know, how we felt about our our families, our parents, our siblings, what we like were looking forward to, and we wanted in our future. And I'm an avid worrier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I was worrying about at the time, but there's always something on my mind that I was worried about, and I, you know. I remember his response very clearly in this particular conversation 
and it stuck with me. And he said, Karen, you just have to have no regrets. We, we cannot change what has happened. We can only look forward to the future and learn from our, you know, learn from our experiences. And so I, I try to remember that yeah. I, I'm having those tough days and I'm thinking, man, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? There's probably a good reason why I said it or did it, but I shouldn't keep thinking about it. I can't dwell on it. I need to move forward and make better decisions moving forward. And, uh, you know, my, my husband gave me that advice and I hang on to it really tightly. That's, that's great advice. Does he ever bring it back to you when he does something wrong and he's like, you can't, you can't hold on to that. <laughs> no, he doesn't actually. He's a, he should, he certainly should. No, that's that's great. And a powerful way to start a relationship as well. Yeah. So that's great. Second question, completely different topic, but I get asked a lot about first impressions. Yeah. So I always like to get people's thoughts on if you're encountering somebody for the first time, what's the single most important thing they can do to make you walk away saying, yeah, I feel good about the person. I want to build a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, you know, when someone asks, when when you're meeting a person for the first time, and they ask a question that goes further than how are you? Mm -hmm. I feel it's an appropriate question in most conversations, but it it can be very surface level, right? Fine. Things are good. Um, But someone who's able to ask a question and that makes me feel like they're really interested and Mm -hmm. they want to know more and they care about the answer. So you know, another similar story to go along with this, um, a former coworker of my husband's who had never, I'd never met him before. And, um, we happened to be at the school where my husband worked at the time and he was in the building and my husband said, Hey, I want you to meet Tim. And I said, okay. So, you know, I go up and he introduces and Tim immediately says, Hey, I just heard about your mom and dad to move to Northern Kentucky. That's just great. How do you feel about that? Like, so he had picked up on something that my husband had told him, which, you know, affected those of us, but he wanted to know more. And this is the first time I ever met him. And, I, and so first of all, I was impressed that he even remembered that. Um, and then number two, that he asked me the question, you know, not necessarily Donnie on like, wow, that's really great. How does that make you feel? So I, I think there's like, real questions and wanting to listen and hear the answer is what makes, you know, makes me want to know a person even more. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I also think though it takes some courage to ask those kinds of questions, especially to complete strangers, right? Asking a, how do you feel question is probably difficult for a lot of people to ask somebody who they don't really know, or even difficult to ask people they do know sometimes, but that's, that's, and that definitely leads to better conversations. I get really personally tired of small talk and superficial conversations. I like to be able to go deeper where, where possible. And then that's kind of great advice to do that. So third question, um, and then there's just one more after that. But as you kind of look at your journey to date and what you've been able to accomplish, if there's one communication skill you could have had in more abundance that would have made things much easier for you, what would that have been? So one of the things I'm learning right now I describe as persistence in messaging. Um, you know, you see, if you think about raising your children too, right? So <laughs> once and you think that I said it, so people should remember it, right? So you move on because you're moving on to the next thing. But that's not true. Like, I, I think you have mm-hmm. things many 
times over and over again. And maybe you say it a little bit differently, but the core of the message is still the same because I think that's what really makes the message stick. And it shows people that the message is meaningful. You're not just saying something to say something. You're saying something because it's important to get this point across and you want them to remember it. And um, I'm less afraid now of being repetitive um, because I think I've learned this lesson. I, you know, it, it really does help to reinforce the messaging to help people understand why you're saying it and why it's important. And so, you know, persistence yes yeah no it's great and critical like you have to be told something what seven times before you remember it is like the statistic i think i don't know if that's quantifiably accurate but it's very true in the essence that you have to repeat over and over and over again for it to really stick especially as in parenting and trying to come up with creative ways to do that without being annoying is also a challenge in in the context of parenting, I mean. Yeah. So it's it's definitely interesting. So cool. Last one, last question. If you could give somebody three pieces of advice around being a really good communicator, what would those be? Yeah. So, you know, my first piece of advice is to be authentic. You need to believe in the message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's super important because if it if you come across as not being confident or believing the message that you're delivering, then people will be less likely to latch on to what you're trying to say and in the action that you may be trying to convince them to take. So that's number one. Number two is to be clear, make sure that it's not confusing. And so one of the things that I've tried to start doing, you know, more recently is asking someone else if the message makes sense to them based on who the audience is. Mm-hmm. Something I used to do back in my like uh, Nielsen days is I used to do all of my presentations in front of my husband and children because you know, they, they were a new audience. They didn't understand where I was coming from. And so they gave really good advice when I may not have been explaining uh, you know, something well. So being very clear. And then the last piece is just based, you know, very based on the question that we talked about. You know, just be persistent in your message. Keep uh, keep getting it out there in front of people, and you know, you you want it to stick. Um, and so, don't be afraid to continue to repeat that message if it's important to you. Yeah, great advice, and also agree preparation and practicing presentations also very great advice <laughs> in front of your family or in front of anybody is is good stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, Last official question, where can folks find you? Where can they learn more about St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, St. Vincent de Paul overall? Where can they go learn more? So we have a website. Uh, it's svdpnky.org. Um, so if you want to learn more about St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, you can go to our website. We update it um, fairly frequently. You can also follow us on Facebook. Um, so we are uh, there on Facebook as St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky. And you can always feel free to call me. My contact information is on a website. Uh, so if you have more questions, you're interested in being part of St. Vincent de Paul, just give me a call. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. Is there, I'm sure there's a nationwide St. Vincent de Paul site as well, right? Yes, there's a, yes. And that one is um, svdpusa.org. And there's probably a global one too that they can get to from there. So yeah, because it is a global organization. Yeah, that's right. Very cool. Well, just want to thank you for the time. I thought it was a great conversation. Um, I, I thought we got to talk about some really great stuff. And uh, I, I know my audience is walking away with some really great guidance around how to lead purpose-driven organizations, right? And, and something that they care about and how to 
get folks engaged around that. And hopefully they're more excited to learn more about St. Vincent de Paul as well, because it is a tremendous organization. So thanks so much for your time, Karen. Thank you, Greg. Good luck in everything. This is going to be great. Thank you, Karen. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.